You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning again. I want to do a quick survey. If you received a pamphlet, let me see it. Raise this pamphlet high. All right. For those of you who still need one, this is very intentional this morning. Please raise your hand if you didn't get one. We got our ushers who will pass that out. Anybody else need it? Over in the back? Good. And isn't it a joy to hear uh, these little ones just, amen, Pastor Keith. That's how I'm interpreting it. So don't worry about me, you guys, okay? I got one back there who's 11 months old. We call her Peanut. And uh, she's having fun so far. She'll cause trouble in a little bit. At home, I hope with all my heart you downloaded uh, this morning's uh, pamphlet. We're going to be talking about the transformational power of forgiveness. And it's not a talk that you can accomplish in 35 minutes. It's a work of God that has to transpire in your heart over time. Today, this week, this month. Why? Forgiveness is hard spiritual work. It just is. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. We're going to focus on verses 56 uh, through the end of the chapter. And so the transformational power of forgiveness really is the testimony of Scripture. When we experience forgiveness from God, what happens? Our lives are changed forever. Our sins, past, present, and future, washed away by the precious blood of the Lamb. When we offer forgiveness to others who hurt us, who dissed us, who did things that really are contrary to God's will, we are living like Christ, and we're setting them free and us free. When we receive forgiveness for someone, when we've wronged them, it's an incredible gift from God. When I was 18 years old, I experienced a rift in our home between me and my father. We stood toe-to-toe in a living room, and Dad looked at me and said, it's your choice, you leave or I leave. It's up to you. And so I left. I'm out on my own at age 18 as a teenager. I was broken. And a year of brokenness led me to the truth of the glorious gospel. My life was transformed. And one of the first things God called me to do was to apologize to my father for dishonoring him in our home, for doing things that were so contrary to what it would be like to fulfill honor your father and mother from Exodus 20, the beautiful commandments of God. And so I asked dad if he would forgive me. And I'll never forget that moment. He said, I forgive you. He wasn't a Christian. I had just become a Christian. And then I asked the harder question. I said, Dad, would it be okay if I came home? I want to come home and rebuild our relationship. And out of forgiveness, the transformational power of forgiveness, he said yes. I came home for a season, started rebuilding my relationship with my father. And today, 42 years later, I still look back to that point in time as such a remarkable work of God because forgiveness transforms. I want to say this to Westwind Church. I believe this with all my heart, not only from Scripture, but empirically because I've seen it in life. You are never more Christ-like 
than when you choose to forgive. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus, while hanging on the cross in Luke 24, the first thing he says after be, being treated so barbarically, after suffering so much, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're living in ignorance. He cried aloud for your forgiveness and mine. That's the transformational power of forgiveness. And when we receive that forgiveness from God through Christ's finished work at Calvary, our lives are transformed. And then as we're gonna see today, we have the privilege to live in the light of forgiveness. So I hope you have your Bible. Stand with me, please. Acts chapter seven, verses 54 through 60. We could spend another three or four weeks in this passage, but I chose by God's direction to focus on one topic, forgiveness. And so follow along with me, please. And again, we've been three weeks with Stephen. If you've been journeying with us faithfully, you'll see in Acts 6, Stephen was a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and God used him to be a peacemaker. And then in Jerusalem, this servant of God who restores community within the church began, begins to declare Christ publicly and literally stirred up trouble in Jerusalem that leads now to his martyrdom. That's where we're at. Stephen is given two chapters in the book of Acts for a reason, because he is a Christ-like servant. You are never more like Christ than when you choose to forgive. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts, gnashed their teeth at him. This is the preaching of the gospel. This is declaring Jesus Christ Messiah. But Stephen noticed the repetition, filled by the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, look, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. And notice this next phrase. They threw him out of the city, and they began to stone him. I want to pause there for a moment. I want to take you to Jerusalem right now. There is a place in Jerusalem that is dedicated to what's called Stephen's Gate. Archaeologists believe that it's factual that this is where they dragged Stephen out of the city. A 5th century A.D. church was built there. Fast forward to the 1900s, a beautiful basilica was built there in light of Stephen's martyrdom. It's a beautiful edifice. You go to Jerusalem, it's in northern Jerusalem. But I also want to show you one more other thing. Potentially what was used. If it was a formal stoning, these were the rocks that they would have used. If it was a kind of a, a last minute kind of outburst, a, a, a brawl, a crowd doing it, they might have just picked up stones from the street, from the fields, and stoned Stephen, regardless. Just imagine being in Stephen's shoes, preaching the gospel, helping the church get launched, and the religious leaders of the day for preaching the gospel, are taking your life. The question today is this, how did Stephen respond? It's a remarkable response. Track with me. And the witnesses laid the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're gonna see Saul soon. 
They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Sound familiar? That's exactly what Jesus said while hanging on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen's taken his cues literally from Jesus Christ at Calvary. And then notice this. It's one of the most remarkable statements in all the Bible. Then he knelt down. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. The Bible uses the phrase falling asleep for believers. We don't die. We fall asleep in Christ. Why? Because there's a literal resurrection from the grave. Body, soul, and spirit. Please be seated. Some of you are familiar with veteran pastor John MacArthur. I cut my teeth in ministry uh, listening to John. He had been one of my mentors early on in ministry. He said this, and I want to quote him today. He says, early on in my pastoral ministry, I noticed an interesting fact. Nearly all the personal problems that drive people to seek pastoral counsel are related in some way to the issue of forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? A veteran pastor saying, my counseling, generally speaking, is directly related to issues of forgiveness. I echo that after many years of ministry, folks. And I believe this with all my heart. Forgiveness is spiritually hard work. It won't come easy today. This isn't a 30-minute one-off. God has to do soul surgery in your life and mine to bring about true forgiveness that sets us free, other people free, and testify to his glorious gospel. It's hard work. Why do I say that? Here's why I say it. How does a man forgive his uncle who sexually molested him when he was young? True story. A dear friend of mine. How does a parent forgive a drunk driver who took the life of their 17-year-old only child? True story, a friend. How does a wife forgive a husband who had a year and a half affair and was less than remorse? How does a person forgive a so-called friend who gossips, who slanders, who tears their name down and hurts their reputation? How does a child who grows up in a home and senses abandonment, loss, a lack of love, affirmation, forgive a parent? And the list goes on and on. I would contend from Scripture, forgiveness is spiritually hard work. So pray with me, please. Father, as we process your word today, would you, by your spirit, open our hearts to you and that we would choose to forgive as we have been forgiven in Christ. Only you, Lord, can do that soul surgery. But I pray in Jesus' name you would set many free. Amen. And so if you have your pamphlet, let's dive in. This is one of the hardest topics. Volumes have been written on forgiveness, but I'm gonna try to give you as best I can in the next 25 minutes what I believe is necessary for you to hear and move forward forgiving. And so, number one, what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing a debt. And it's a beautiful me metaphor, guys. 
In Matthew chapter 6, 12, the verses are going to be on the screen. They're in your notes, so you don't have to keep turning. We're going to turn a little bit more to a few case scenarios and a lot of scriptures from Christ and the New Testament. Jesus said this, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. In other words, when we sin against someone, we've created a debt. We created a hurt. We kind of owe them something. That's exactly what happened to Stephen. Here's a guy preaching the gospel, and they're stoning him to death. For what? For saying that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Savior, the Messiah of the world, the promised Messiah of Judaism, and his life is being taken? Notice what Stephen says in Acts 760. He kneels down, cries aloud, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Notice the phrase, charge them. Don't hold this debt to their account. Stephen's saying, I want to take their debt of sin on me. That's a remarkable statement. I will suffer on behalf of them. That's what it means. It means taking the high road. It means choosing to be hurt. And that's hard work, folks. I read a story this past week. The gentleman was 73 years old. And after 50 years, he chose to take the life of a former classmate. 50 years later. What happened when he was a young adult? He's in the locker room. His buddy pulls a prank, grabs his jock strap, and I'm not trying to be weird here, pulls it over his head. For 50 years, he lived angry. And his anger festered, it turned into bitterness. And one day he says, you know what? I'm gonna settle the score. He's going to pay his debt. And he murdered the guy, former classmate 50 years ago. He couldn't relieve him of the debt. It festered so long, so deep. Folks, that's the stuff we're dealing with. Paul exhorts us, don't let any root of bitterness fester in your life. Why? It'll defile many. It can destroy a church. It can rip a family apart. Unforgiveness leading to bitterness is deadly. And so when we relieve a debt as Stephen did, don't hold this debt to their account. Jesus, charge it to me because of what you've done. Secondly, what forgiveness is not, and this is very important, forgiveness is not forgetting. There is a huge misconception that somehow we have to be like God. Hebrews 10, 18 says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. That's a beautiful statement, but that's God. We're not God. You know what Hebrews 10, 18 means? It's real simple. In Christ, your debt is paid. Past, present, and future. Your slate is life clean. When God looks at us, he looks at us through, through Christ. He remembers our sin no more. But remember, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows every sin we've committed. Would you agree? So don't worry about not remembering. It's foolish to put that on a person. God has given us incredible minds. I have a colleague who was hurt in a church about 15 years ago. Talked to him about a year ago. When I was in Chicago, we ran together. We're still buddies. He says, Keith, a week didn't pass where that hurt didn't surface and I felt it deeply. That's okay. You can feel the hurt, you can remember it, but you don't bring it up. 
You don't put it in their face. You don't use it against them. That's what Stephen's modeling here. You remember, but you release the debt. That's why Acts 760 says, don't charge them with this sin. Probably the best example of this idea of remembering but not charging them with the sin. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Gosh, his family, for over a decade, they wanted him dead. They sold him as a slave. His, his employer, Potiphar, juked him. His friends wouldn't remember him. Hey, tell Pharaoh I'm in here unjustly. Everybody seemed to be against Joseph. And then when his brothers are reunited and they're fearful that it's retribution time, it's payback time, what does Joseph say? Nope. All is forgiven. He remembered. He knew exactly what they did. In fact, in Genesis 50, 20, he says, hey, guys, you planned this for evil. God worked it for good. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He knew exactly what they did over a decade ago. He called them into account, but he did not charge their sin against them. He forgave them, and there was great blessing. It's quite remarkable. So don't buy into the misconception that somehow you have to forget. There are some traumatic things that some of you folks have experienced in your lifetime. And when those memories come up, we have to take them captive, every thought captive in obedience to Christ. We'll talk about that a little later. Secondly, so forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not condoning or tolerating sin. And again, this is another very important point. God doesn't want us to be doormats, folks. He doesn't want us to live in abusive situations. I can't tell you how many times in pastoral counseling, sometimes we say separation is necessary because this environment is unsafe. It's unhealthy. You're not called to be in a relationship where you're a doormat. You're being abused emotionally, physically, spiritually, and so forth. And again, Stephen is our example here. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Let me show you another verse, 1 Peter 2. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. In other words, in Peter, we have God giving authorities, governments, leadership. Why? To bring about justice. Again, suggesting we're not called to tolerate or condone any kind of sin. And again, Stephen and Joseph are great examples. Number three, forgiveness is not denying our pain and hurt. And again, we've already highlighted that, but look at what Stephen says, Acts 7.59. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As best we can discern, Stephen is a young man. Just imagine being in your mid-20s. You're a relatively new believer, maybe five, six years old in Christ. You experienced some remarkable things as this church was being birthed. You stepped to the plate to be a servant, full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. And now you start preaching about Jesus, and your life is being taken. Stephen was broken. Stephen was hurting Folks, this isn't easy to be standing out in a public place in Jerusalem being stoned to death by religious leaders. I know it's so hard for us to picture. 
but he was hurting. He was broken. Again, let's go back to Joseph. We talked about his scenario. 10 years, his family dissed him, his brothers lied about him, want him dead, sold as a slave. Look what we read in Genesis 45. Joseph wept loudly. When he was reunited with his brothers, what happens? There's all this emotion. He's feeling the hurt. He's feeling the pain. And that's one of the best ways to find healing. Sometimes we try to suppress the hurt. We try to suppress the pain. My first illustration about forgiveness is hard work was a colleague who was abused as a young boy by his uncle. And he suppressed that hurt for over four decades, four decades. And as a 50-year-old man, finally it all came out. And he was hospitalized for months. He was sidetracked from ministry because of the hurt and the pain. Folks, here's the deal today. If you've been hurt by someone, that's okay. And we have to acknowledge it. And sometimes the best therapy is tears and brokenness before the Lord. Lord, this hurts. Read the Psalms. Half of 150 Psalms are Psalms of lament, Psalms of tears, Psalms of brokenness. The Psalmists cry out, Lord, I need help. I'm broken. I'm hurting. And so we don't deny our hurt. We don't deny our pain. Now, why are we to forgive? Because of the example of Christ. And friends, we got to hang our hat here. If we miss this, we miss the basis and premise of forgiveness. Look again, if we, you would, to Luke 23, 34. It's on the screen. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And that's a repeated cry. Jesus cried that prayer time and time again at Calvary. We know that from the language. And then in Ephesians 4.32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, notice this, just as God also forgave you in Christ. What is the basis for forgiveness? We forgive others as God has forgiven us in Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. How great a debt of sin has God forgiven you through Christ? Do you see your sin as a big deal before the Lord? Do you see the great debt he has forgiven? In Matthew 18, the parable is real simple. A king forgives a slave millions of dollars of debt. That's us. That slave then couldn't forgive a friend a few dollars of debt. Compared to how much God has forgiven us in Christ, millions of dollars of debt... Scripture then says, forgive others their way lesser debt. Now, I know some of you are sitting here this morning saying, Keith, if you knew my story, I don't know your personal story, but I do know many stories. I have seen people over the years who have been hurt deeply, traumatized, who choose to forgive and are set free. Their life has changed. The other person has changed. But I've also seen the opposite. I have seen bitterness, dear friends, in people's lives, and yes, even in the church. I'm serious about this. And Paul says when that root of bitterness goes down, it will defile many. It's always a choice. What are we gonna do with our hurts? What are we gonna do with our pain? Here's what I do, try to do. God, you have forgiven Keith Missile a great debt, and by the way, it's a big debt, maybe billions of dollars. 
can I not then forgive others that lesser debt, a few hundred dollars? It would be inconscionable to think that you couldn't or shouldn't do that. Millions or billions compared to a few hundred or thousand? Of course we'll forgive because God has forgiven us in Christ. Secondly, we forgive also because of the command of Christ. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There is an expectation, dear friends, in Scripture, as God has forgiven us, we will forgive others. That is a biblical expectation. And if we think otherwise, if we think we have reason to hold a grudge, reason to be unforgiven, reason to develop bitterness, we're just missing the basic truths of Scripture. C.S. Lewis says this, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. I love the idea of forgiveness. God, forgive me in Christ, thank you. Others, forgive me for my wrongdoing, thank you. But what about when it's my turn to forgive? To release a debt? Don't hold this sin to their account. Are we in Christ godly enough to say, yes, Lord, you've done a great work, I choose to forgive. Now, we're tying it up here. Who are we to forgive? I really felt led as I reflected on just my past, ministry past, the, the Bible's teaching to highlight four categories. And I pray that God's spirit will just prompt us. If any of these categories just kind of speak to us that we will do the soul surgery with God's spirit today, this week. And so number one, we forgive ourselves. And sometimes we wonder, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means, folks. As Christians, we can live guilt guilty over our sin. Think about David. He commits murder, first adultery, then murder to cover it up, then runs as a spiritual fugitive. You know what David said in Psalm 32? He says, then I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you took away the guilt of my sin. Victoria prayed this morning. One of God's heart's desires not to let us live in guilt and shame. When we fall short of the glory of God, we confess our sin. We find grace and mercy in our time of need. His mercies are new each day. Great is his faithfulness. We don't have to live in guilt and shame. But friends, that doesn't give us a pass to sin. All it means is when we fall short, we humbly go before God. Remember what happened with Peter? He denies his dear friend Jesus three times. He goes out and weeps bitterly. He's broken over his sin. And then Peter's restored. Forgiving yourself is important. Secondly, biological family. Biological family. And why do I put biological family? I think it's very important for us to do kind of a, a retro, our family history. How are things going within our biological family? As a pastor, I find more than not, a lot of hurt and pain stems from our roots, stems from our history, stems from our past. Even now, our family could be dysfunctional, could be broken, and you could be a part of the healing agent by offering forgiveness, by taking the initiative, by saying, Lord, don't charge this sin to their account. That's what Joseph did. When you read Genesis uh, towards the end of the book, chapter 50, the brothers were scared. 
You know why? Retribution was common in the ancient world. It's payback time. So dad's dead. Guess what? The brothers are in trouble. And they were plotting, scheming. How are they going to kind of get out of it? You know what Joseph says? Time out, guys. I have truly forgiven you, and here's how you'll know that. I will take care of you and your little ones. Joseph said, not only do I just say I forgive you, I'm going to demonstrate forgiveness. I'm going to bless the socks off of you and your family. The generations to come will be taken care of under my leadership. You want to know how you truly forgive? Take the next step and be loving, be caring, being kind, doing something exceptional that demonstrates forgiveness. You know what Revelation 3.20 says? When God forgives, Christ forgives the church at Laodicea, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open Laodicea, I'll come in and I'll eat with you. You want to know one of the best ways you're in a reconciled relationship, that true forgiveness has been extended? They have a meal together. You go out for lunch, have a cup of coffee, play a round of golf. Whatever it is, there's relationship. You're taking the initiative. Third, spiritual family. I won't go into all the depth here, but there are times in Scripture, you'll see it, Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. They had a rift in their relationship. One ministry split and went two different ways. These are godly men, kingdom servants, and they both went their separate ways. But you know what we find out in the rest of the New Testament? Paul still honored Barnabas. Paul still honored John Mark. He built them up. He testified uh, of their value for the kingdom of God. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that there's a whole group of people in the community who once were a part of the church who no longer are. You know why? Hurt. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. And they just say, you know what? If that's what it's like, I'm done. I'm walking away. You know what God's way is? It's totally different. It's the way of Steve and the way of forgiveness because you are never more Christ-like than when you choose to forgive. It's God's way. And then finally, others. I know that's a big category, but can you imagine being Mr. Erickson? That was his name. 73 years old, 50 years of bitterness, and he decides to take his buddy's life because that Bitterness just festered from one prank when he was a young adult. One prank, unconscionable. So here's what Romans teaches. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's sight. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, that is a remarkable, remarkable privilege you and I have. I want to close by tying where I began together. So dad says, you're forgiven, Keith. And I tell you, I really dishonored dad. I came back home and we started to build and rebuild the relationship. And what happened uh, was just a work of God because of forgiveness, the transformational power of forgiveness. We started rebuilding our relationship Dad saw that I wanted to honor him and renew it. A few months later, mom came to genuine faith in Christ. She's here this morning. We've had a wonderful week together. 
And then fast forward five years later, dad hears the gospel from me, from a pastor, from others, saw the gospel in my mom's life for five years as she lived in a beloved, unbelieving relationship and dad professes faith in Christ. The power of forgiveness, dear friends, is enormous. It will transform you. However, let me say this place. You are never more like Christ than when you choose to forgive. You know, the opposite is true. You are never more unlike Christ when you choose not to forgive. I know that's hard, but there is an expectation. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And so here's the question this morning. As you look at those categories, self, biological family, spiritual family, others, has God brought anyone to mind? I really need to do the hard work of forgiveness. I pray you well. I want to invite our worship team to come forward. As they come forward, pray with me, please. Father, we thank you through Christ our Lord that you've done a great work at Calvary. Thank you, Father, for forgiving our debt of sin. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you do the soul surgery in our lives to set us free, to set others free, and to testify of the glorious gospel. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning who's not trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, experienced your forgiveness through the finished work of Christ at Calvary, would you show them their love? Show them that the precious blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and that we can turn from our sin and turn to the Savior. Lord, bring healing, bring wholeness. Show forth your glory in Jesus' name.